Welcome to 2021. It's a it's, new year. It is a new year, a new administration, and a whole new grassroots government podcast. I'm Avery Davidson, uh, I guess kind of the ringleader here. Uh, Carl Whatever Wiggers. you want to call yourself, it's fine. Yeah, I just make up my title as I go along. Executive Carl Wiggers. order number one of the day. <laughs> And that's Andy Brown, National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, chiming in. Carl's our producer. Make sure that we don't go over level and we'll over see. time and everything else. Joe Mapes, uh, the legislative uh, lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau, will be joining us a little bit later in the show. So we're going to move right into the, the national spotlight, Andy. So that means the spotlight's on you. We got a new administration. New is, administration, new Congress, uh, 117th has kicked off, but uh, so far most things have been coming out of that executive branch, and uh, we're we're trying to keep keep pace, but it's it's happening fast and furious. You hinted at it a minute ago with executive order number one of the day. Is that a uh, common theme we're seeing a little bit? Just, yeah, just I don't. A little bit. I don't want to be the. I mean, I'm not the the Facebook guy where I'm just going to tell you all that we have a dictatorship. That's certainly not the case but there has been quite a few executive orders some um you know more troublesome for ag than others particularly um one one we faced this week and have already turned around thank goodness was this travel ban from south africa we mm. we uh you want to hear from members you tell them that they're not going to be able to get their labor right before planting season so we got a lot of calls uh this week on that thankfully uh i've already seen uh, an exemption there for for the h2 program for a's and b's so um it'll be a tedious process but we're still in a covid world so that's understandable we can understand some some restrictions but uh a, a total ban was going to be a bad deal. Yeah, and anyone flying in, if I remember correctly, internationally is going to have to have a negative COVID test. Is that correct, Andy? That's correct. Not just for South African H2As, H2Bs, but uh, anybody in the H2 program, if they're coming in via uh, an airport, they'll have to have a negative COVID test. And obviously, this is a big deal because you can't get local labor to do seasonal work. You can't get local labor to to do this hard of work. I mean, Casey Luckett over at Luckett Farms had prisoners walk off, even the trustees walk off because they said the work was too hard. Yeah, that's one funny thing. It's kind of different than a lot of the dynamics that I of stories that I try to tell on Capitol Hill. We really have a pretty good understanding with our elected officials and with the ag community of the need for this labor, that you can't get it local, that you're not really stealing American jobs. But the vast majority of voters, constituents for these elected officials are still a little ignorant to that uh, fact. And, and that's just, you know, an education thing that they haven't experienced it maybe in their business. Maybe they can still find labor. They may not can afford to pay them if, you know, they they uh, raise the minimum wage. That's a whole other topic. But um, there are... Uh, hurdles there that we're still trying to climb, and it's it's more so from the consumer level. So you're exactly right. This is not jobs, and, and the pandemic shined a bright light on that, that there were plenty of people uh, unemployed that didn't rush into a processing facility. They didn't rush to a farm to go plant cane. I mean, this is, this is just the reality we live in, and, and thankfully we have some programs that will import our labor to get these important essential jobs done yeah and uh, i'll bring up the the story i tell all the time when it comes to h2a and h2b labor uh bobby morris sugarcane farmer there in west baton rouge parish 
20 years, he's been putting an ad in the paper saying, hey, I need workers. And it's part of the law right. that he has to put that ad in that paper to be able to get his workers through the H-2A program. Not a single reply. 20 yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that South African labor being used here in the at least Louisiana, is that semi-new? I'm talking about South African-specific H-2 labor. From that country specifically, I would say no, it's not new because, uh, but it's a different, it's a different employee. Uh, typically, uh, a South African H-2A employee are going more to your your row crop operations um, because most of them have some ag experience. The, the the farming style from the Louisiana Delta to South Africa is not you know, as wide of a gap as maybe other countries. Mm-hmm. So um, while uh, your your sugarcane operations tend to be from Central and South America or, or from Mexico, um, then you look at more of the, the operators on a, a row crop operation. Uh, a lot of them are South Africans. So do you know, I mean, you know farmers that are being affected by this kind of temporary... Pause. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple things that will light my phone up, and that's if uh, checks that farmers are expecting are, are being held, and if there's uh, inputs, which labor is one of them, particularly with people, that adds a whole new element. These farmers aren't just concerned because they, ha- they need the worker. They're also concerned for that worker who's expecting employment and you know the farmers already invested money in trying to get them here and that employee has invested you know opportunity costs of where they could have been looking for another job and you know counting on this to happen and counting on it soon so that's why this order uh, it's not to to bash on executive orders or this decision we understand there's a whole side of public health uh, the variants and the uh, the strains of, of the coronavirus I'm no expert there but um, we understood the basis for this order to to restrict travel from South Africa, but um, we needed to, to find measures, to find solutions to get those people here. You mentioned the other thing that causes your phone to light up, checks delayed, and that's exactly what's happening with the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Uh, the Biden administration has put a hold on lots of programs, uh, lots of uh, w- regulation and the like. What's happening there with CFAP? Well, we understand uh, a need for an administration to review and to put their stamp and and their ideas. Um, They have a platform and they got elected to to implement that platform. But uh, one challenge this week was was the freeze of CFAP money. This was law. This is congressional action that has already passed Congress in both chambers and is into law. And with this regulatory freeze, Simply, all you're doing is cutting off the, as um, my friend Congressman Higgins would say, the people's treasure from getting back to the people. Uh, Congress decided that there was more assistance needed for farmers and ranchers uh, because of the coronavirus, over $11 billion, and uh, they can't access that right now, along with another two-plus billion from legislation way earlier in 2020 with the CARES Act. Um, that leaves folks like our poultry growers who've been waiting uh, almost a year now to find some help amidst this pandemic still waiting. Yeah, and those are the ones who I think probably were hurt in some ways the worst because in the case of poultry growers, they don't own the birds. They don't necessarily 
have to pay for the fee, but they have all of the debt, all of the risk, all of the disposal responsibilities, but also saw their number of flocks decrease because we had the shutdowns of plants. So these are folks who probably are most in need of some kind of assistance and have yet to get it. Yeah, there's legality complications of why they haven't. But, I mean, you said it, Avery. It's just just apply this. If you're not a poultry farmer, apply it to your business. Apply it to your household. If you still have to pay your mortgage and you still have to pay, you know, the utility bills and you got to keep mama fed and you got, you know, mouths to feed, but your check gets cut off or it gets smaller or it gets yeah and and at no fault of your own it's not that you screwed up and you lost your job um and you know granted there's there's lots of professions dealing with that across this country we're not saying woe is me ag's the only one hurting however there have been a lot of programs that are being implemented some the second or third time around that are helping this situation and yet uh, because you know poultry farmers aren't the the top of everyone's concern list they still are, are waiting so they may be in a couple of weeks when super bowl sunday comes around <laughs> wings may cost a couple of dollars more. It, who knows i don't know i'm just well that's the thing you, you everybody was so concerned and and particularly our our livestock producers of whether contract or, or not they got in the national spotlight when you didn't have grocery store shelves full of food the efficiency of American agriculture corrected that within a week, mm-hmm. two weeks, and that was never really on the farmer. It was all on the processing side. But still, this industry is so efficient and so well run as business people that we take it for granted. And until you know, until folks go out of business and folks don't get their chickens processed, that seems to be in this instance the only thing that that catches people's attention. Well, we actually talked about it. I'm sure this is going to be a next point of discussion, but we talked about it in last week's show uh, about the new administration and Tom Vilsack, who is, you know, I guess poised to be named as the USDA secretary. And we shared a clip in the show uh, from his farewell speech when he was stepping down from that position last time. And he talks about, it's the farmers who give everyone the opportunity to dream, to dream to be a teacher, a lawyer, and talks about the sacrifice and, I guess, the, like you said, efficiency of the farmers that we don't have to think about where our next meal is coming from because farmers are are doing it for us and, and we take it for granted. So it's something that I feel like it, it, I'm, I'm just saying I think it's very true what you're saying is that because we're comfortable and we live in a country that we don't have to worry about that food. It maybe isn't top of mind whenever it comes to thinking about paying, you know, in, in subsidies or in relief or whatever it, however it can get tabled and, and talked about. So I don't know. I just, I, I would love to know the, the magic answer to make people care. And oh, <laughs> what I is, know the magic, what the magic it? answer. When Popeyes doesn't have the chicken sandwich, you're going to see pitchforks and torches come out all right so that's that's what it's going to take when popeyes when chick-fil-a doesn't have the sandwich that's when my pitchfork comes out well i will say this there's plenty of uh there's a mindset there's a new administration there's new objectives that i started off talking about and me as as a representative of this organization and this organization as a whole and, and our national organization are not 
this isn't me being opposed to the the new ideas and the change that um, any administration wants to to make. It's just a matter of you got to handle business first, and then you can tackle things like climate change. Then you can look at you know how can we bring in um, more diversity in what we're doing. You know, you gotta you gotta take care of home base first and then we would love to talk about all these things because we're we've been talking about them it's we have policy on climate change you know Mm -hmm. it's things that we want to help tackle it's not we're trying to put up roadblocks it's just you have to have profitable businesses that can stay in business to have the time it's the same concept of agriculture allows folks to dream well agriculture has to to be running efficiently to allow those farmers to dream and to to make changes. You, you can't have one without the other. Mm. So what can our members do right now to, to help enact, I don't want to say enact change that's beneficial, but at least to make sure that the change is not to their detriment? Well, it's, it's very interesting. We've come through four years uh, of, you know, a lot of a lot of our membership being in favor of most things that have gone on amidst a time where we've had some of the worst commodity prices that we've seen in you know decades so to uh, a person out there that's not in the the bubble that the three of us live in that seems totally counterintuitive you know things have been tough why do you support uh, one person over the other and it's it's not about people it's about policy and that's what we're here to to help push forward in that when times were bad not all of that was because of one person or the other but we have you know we had an administration that supported backed them up backed up what they said and so now you know we're just in a time of change we we can we're excited about tom vilsack uh, being sworn in next week and we can get to work it's just this episode this week y'all we're in a, a transitional period and we all know change is tough but to get back to your question, it's going to be more important now to have that member involvement than it, it has been um, the last four years. We, But we need it in a tone that's willing to work, willing to compromise, willing to think about new ideas, because if we just come in with a they're against us, you know, nobody's for us attitude, we're not going to get much accomplished. Well, something good that I've seen come up, uh, USA Rice put out in their Rice Daily uh, an article just yesterday about the possibility of the Biden administration considering opening up trade with Cuba. I, I know I'm hitting you up cold with this, but I mean, I'm sure you saw the article as well. Any thoughts on that and how that could affect our folks here in Louisiana when it comes to rice? Well, that's a little bit of difference between the world I live in and the world that Joe Mapes lives in, in that the federal government is so big and these these are full-time congressmen and, and senators. They don't have a session and then go home and go back to their district. They're up there all the time. So the education and the priorities and just the, the machine that is our federal government um, consumes people. But it also... In, in a good way, can ride these waves of transition a little easier because there's still been people, you know, through trade organizations 
keeping relationships in Cuba. That may not have been the Trump administration's priority, but it was for the Obama administration. So now you see, well, we still have some relationships there. What can we what can we do there? So you, you pivot, you change, you try to find common ground like I talked about. So there's plenty of things, whether it's, you know, rice to Cuba or uh, the TPP is back on the table of, of big markets in Asia. The message hasn't changed. We need markets. We need to be able to to get our product worldwide and, and have the ability to do that. That's priority number one, no matter who's in office. So it just, you have that ability to to keep things going and you just have to work, you know, Congress by Congress and, and work through these agencies and other folks to continue to get things done. Well, I noticed, I mean, we're talking about trade now. I'm, I just wasn't really discussed before we hit record, but did you know, did you see that Eddie Lewis, a sugarcane farmer from down here, was put onto a trade policy committee? Absolutely. That's going to have direct line to the secretary, which is, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, right, for Louisiana? Yeah, and that's, you know, folks like uh, Eddie, we need, we need them. You know, twenty four seven. That's the thing. This never stops, and we're we're excited about that appointment. Uh, our our economist at American Farm Bureau, John Newton, was reappointed to uh, uh, a trade board uh, federally. So, you know, and we had a call this week with uh, the chief of staff at USDA, and I, I don't mean to sound negative because this administration, the ones we've talked to so far, they still want to hear farmers' input. They uh, they want to you know work with farmers that has not changed we still need member involvement and thankfully i think our our members understand that i just hope that the the consumer and kind of that fringe member can understand that you know if they don't like what's going on they need to step up and and join you know join with us too and and work to make change not just complain about change and lastly because i know that you've got to run here in a little bit but andy we, we have two open seats in Louisiana when it comes to congressional re- representation. Cedric Richmond took the position within the Biden administration to be uh, a senior advisor uh, there in the, uh, the West Wing. And then we had Luke Letlow, 41 years old, uh, was just days away from being sworn in, and uh, COVID-19 brought his life to an end. Now his his widow is going to run for that seat, along with several other Republicans, which I was really surprised that many Republicans decided to run against her. Um, I wasn't Good surprised. Good luck all I can tell them. Yeah, I just, I, I don't see how you run against her and still save face. Uh, and I, I mean, maybe that's the wrong way to look at it, but, you know, she has the support of Ralph Abraham, the last person to hold that seat. Steve Scalise has endorsed her. He's the minority whip. How as, do you run as a Republican and still save the face of your of your party against her? I well, just, you know, I, I don't see how how you you come out looking good there. One thing that goes back to what I was saying that that things, uh, you know, first of all. Losing a Luke Ledlow, you, you're not going to pick up where you left off. So I don't, I don't want to make it sound like that's the case. However, you've got uh, his staff, Ralph Abraham's staff, and, and the future staff of the Ledlow family still in D.C. working on behalf of our issues. What a cool deal! You know, while they can't make votes and and do those things that are the the 
stopgap, they still are serving the people. And that's what people forget is that these are public servants. What better view of public service than a Julia Letlow who has a young family, hasn't been the direct you know person in the political spotlight. But I think that just speaks to her. I think it speaks to her late husband. Uh, I think it speaks to that, that office that they t- truly took a stance of public service and she's looking to continue that. And uh, we hope that any of those other candidates have that same mindset. And uh, in the second you know, district, we think we'll, we'll find a candidate that has that, uh, that same mindset. So that's what we need. We need a lot more of that because there's not everybody uh, in that mindset in, in our nation's capital, but we're excited to see. We, we have a great delegation and we have great people to, that, you know, that these folks are representing. Yeah, awesome. we we still got to get past the uh, the election. She yeah. has a lot of challengers. It's in March, uh, March twentieth is the uh, primary, and then you'll have uh, a runoff in April. So, I wanted to recap real quick. So we talked about South African farmer, uh, South African labor coming over. What did we ever say actually? What has come of that? I know you said it kind of got turned around a little bit. Got an exception. What was the exception? Yeah, the State Department kind of controls these things, and uh, they've just exempt the H two program from a total ban. They still have some hurdles to jump through, like a negative test and mm-hmm. uh, some oversight, certainly. But uh, but it's that not was, a stop sign, right? And it was such a quick turnaround, which is exactly what we needed. So very thankful for the administration taking care of that. Cool other thing i wanted to follow up cfap what's the latest on that i mean it's it's held up now what's the next steps for that uh for so there's two pieces the old money as i call it the the cares act money yeah that's mainly for our poultry farmers to pay attention to they can still apply at their local fsa office and they should uh go ahead and get that filled out you'll need your contract uh for 2020 to that's the only documentation you'll need and you'll go self-certify your revenue. They need to they need to get on that. Mm-hmm. So far, we don't know of any extension of a deadline or anything, and they have uh, till the 23rd of February or 26th, but towards the end of February. Um, so, yes, that's still going on. The other piece that affects a larger swath of our membership is the Consolidated Appropriations Act money, which is over $11 billion. Most folks are calling that CFAP three. We don't know when that'll be coming out. I think next week after Secretary Vilsack uh, is is appointed, then I think you'll you'll hear some movement there. Hopefully okay. soon. I just, I don't remember. I know conversation was flowing, and I wanted to make sure we answered those questions so nobody's sitting there hitting their iPad or iPhone or computer or whatever they're listening to this on. I don't want them to be mad because we didn't answer it if we didn't. So thank you, Andy. Well, I know that we've got to keep Andy on time. Carl was keeping us on time and on target with all of that. So when we come back, we'll have legislative specialist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, Joe Mapes, to let us know what's going on here in Louisiana. I'm Jim Harper, president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. On our farm in Cheneyville, my brother and I grow sugarcane, soybeans, rice, and crawfish. It's more than a living for us. It's a lifestyle. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation is a grassroots organization that stands together to protect that lifestyle. You depend on agriculture, and we depend on you to join us. Visit LAFarmBureau.org, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 
All right, what voice did we just hear there, Carl? Anyway, uh, joining us now is Joe Mapes, the legislative specialist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. And uh, Joe, we're still living in COVID world. What does that mean down at the state capitol, that big pointy building? Good morning, gentlemen, and everybody listening. Uh, That's a, a great question. You know, it's an evolving question, but I can tell you we have some experience with the answer, which is we've been to three sessions uh, since the pandemic has uh, took place. And uh, I'll tell you, it's limited to the public. Uh, The process is moving very, very quickly with suspension of the rules uh, left and right. And uh, we've got to really keep our eyes on the process, Avery, in order to know when and how to participate best. Uh, to protect and promote agriculture and rural Louisiana. Well, you were just on a a Zoom call with all of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Parish presidents just yesterday. Uh, What what message did you have for them, and what sort of response did you get? Uh, Great question. My message was you, you presidents are more important than ever before with the lack of access uh, to the process for the public, you know, you don't even have a Zoom uh, system that's set up or anything. I mean, you can watch it on 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 live on the internet. Then you can bang on your computer screen if you get mad and stuff. And you want to change things, but you can't unless you have their cell phone numbers. You can't have real time interactions with these senators and these reps when they're in committee and on the floors. And again, I'm back to that's a, a very strong point. So. I told the president, y'all are more important than ever before. Y'all, y'all really need to develop these relationships if you haven't developed them with your senators and reps back home, and you know, uh, brighten them up if you uh, maintain them if you have those already established. But we're going to need y'all when we call on y'all. And they they were shaking their heads. They understood that too. That 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 uh, you know, I always say my saying is, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, and it's never been more true than right now. Well, Joe, there's some stuff that's going to be put on the table this go-round. You sat through a three-hour meeting concerning taxes. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what is on the table as far as our state sales taxes and tax exemptions. I I did, Avery. It was a joint committee of the Senate and House Tax Committees, Revenue and Fisc in the Senate, and Ways and Means in the House. It was a meeting to talk to the oil and gas companies. It was uh, about a resolution that was passed to study how to incent more oil and gas companies to come here to Louisiana. But Sandy and I sat through the whole thing. And um, at the end, both chairman in unison said that uh, this session coming in April was going to be a hairy session. And all exemptions, tax exemptions will be on the table and they will try to remove as many, and they will remove as many as they possibly can. Now, where that puts us is, again, back to where we've always been, but it's an education process, and we've got a a bigger uh, uh, body of new legislators than we've ever had before. We've got to educate them why agriculture is special, and we need to remain special in order to, you know, with our tax exemptions, in order to remain competitive in the world market and the other 49 states. So what does that mean for our membership involvement? What do you want them to do, especially if you trigger a voter voice email uh, asking them to, to contact their, their senators and their representatives at the state capitol? Well, certainly, if we, if we put together a voter voice email, and again, I say this time and again, 
we do the heavy lifting. So we're not just asking for help all along the way just because just because we're asking because we need it. So if a voter voice comes out to you, it's important. And all we need you to do is scroll down and hit the submit button and trust us uh, about the content and the outcome and, you know, the desired outcome. That's certainly uh, a must, Avery. But but also, please, back home, start uh, refreshing and renewing this relate, these relationships or establishing them with senators and reps if you don't have them. But pull them over for two seconds if you see them at church or in the grocery store. You know, God forbid, drop by their office and just, you know, leave your number and say, look, I'm a resource if you got any questions on agriculture and, you know, rural Louisiana up there at the legislature. But, you know, that's you can't beat the local boys on their home ground. If we can reconnect these dots and reestablish and refresh these relationships, uh, then we'll have our voice at the legislature that we've always had, uh, combine that with the electronic voice. And uh, it's important to have both. And, you know, Joe, I follow your Instagram, so I know you do all the heavy lifting. I've seen your deadlifts, your bench press. That's that's some heavy lifting you do there, Hoss. Well, you know, uh, I tell you if, you, if you knew my father, he looked like me when he first entered the lobbying business, but he was only 135 pounds and like five foot seven and hunched over when he was this process was done with him so you know i came into this thing fortified avery hoping to uh you know <laughs> keep that at bay as long as possible well joe i appreciate you taking time with us for the grassroots government podcast on behalf of carl wiggers andy brown joe mapes thank you so much for joining us and joe end it with the tagline brother yes sir if you're not at the table you know you are what on the menu 